This is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and Easter Sunday, please consider in your almsgiving a tax-deductible gift to our ministry. Click Donate at either DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue our podcast for those on the spiritual journey. Thank you and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. Welcome to Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran and our series on the Gospel of Luke. Hello, friends. My name is Sharon Doran. I teach a Bible study in Omaha, Nebraska called SeekingTruth.net. I'm so thankful to be here with Discerning Hearts listeners to talk about Luke. We're going through the Gospel of Luke, and we're finding so many beautiful canonical connections. Uh, Last time we met, we were talking about the genealogy of Matthew and how it differs from the genealogy of St. Luke. Both Gospel writers, they're the only two that give us the genealogies, and those genealogies were so important to the Hebrew people. They kept very close records and very careful account because they were waiting for Messiah the one born a virgin woman, the offspring who would crush the head of Satan, and the Messiah who would finally come and have a forever kingdom from the house of David. Jeremiah 33 had predicted that in those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring forth from David, and he will execute justice and righteousness in the land. And in those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. For thus says the Lord, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt sacrifice, to burn cereal offerings, and to make sacrifices forever. That was Jeremiah 33. Also, it was foretold in Psalm 89, Once for all I have sworn my holiness. I will not lie to David. His line shall endure how long? Forever. And his throne, as long as the sun is before me, like the moon, it shall be established forever. And it shall stand firm while the skies endure. Friends, we saw that Matthew's genealogy was very theological. He used the number 14, 14, 14, 14, three times, the Giamatra for David. Also, 14 plus 14 plus 14, the, the, the number of generations that would exit Egypt are the same number of generations listed by Matthew, that Jesus was a new David, and Jesus was a new Moses. He had a theology to his genealogy. Now, I'd like to compare tonight Luke, who has a universal audience. Luke is not Jewish. Luke was from Antioch, Syria. He's a Gentile. And he, his genealogy has a different theology than Matthew, who was a Jew and speaking to a Jewish audience. So the ancestors of Jesus will be listed by Luke in Luke 3, and it'll be totally different from Matthew. And you think, how can this possibly be the same person? I was troubled when I read the two because they didn't match up at all. In the middle, 
in the middle of Luke. He says the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Selah, the son of Nashon, the son of Adab, the son of Admin, the son of Amy, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, I recognize him, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, yes, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Nahor, the son of Sheruch, the son of Ruhu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Ka'anan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, know him, the son of Noah, yes, the son of Lamech, yes, the son of Methuselah, yes, the oldest man in the Bible, the son of Enoch, the one that was taken up, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalahela, the son of Kahanan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Now Luke's is totally different. Matthew's, different people, uh, but going all the way back to the very first man, the son of Adam, the son of God, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Now Seth is when things turned back to the image of God, because you know, Adam's first son, Cain, murdered Abel, the second son. And at the birth of Seth, things turned back to the Lord. So Jesus, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Luke is going all the way back. He's so universal. He's going all the way back to the first man. Matthew only went back as far as Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith. But Luke will go all the way back to Adam. And then right after this genealogy, he's going to take us right. He's just talked about the son of Adam, the son of God. He'll take us right into the temptation of Jesus Christ, the new Adam. And we can see that as Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit returning from the Jordan, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. Now, whereas Adam could not withstand temptation, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, because that Spirit's going to descend on him in bodily form in Luke's gospel in his baptism, full of that Holy Spirit, Jesus could and did resist the temptation of Satan. Now, what I find incredibly interesting is that Luke has 77 generations listed in his genealogy. Matthew only had 42. Luke has 77. And we know numbers are important, and we know seven is a very important number of covenantal perfection. And Jesus, Yeshua, is number 77 in the lineup. Amazing. In biblical numerology, 77s, it is the fullest extension of of the perfection of the number seven, 70 sevens or 70 times seven, 70 sevens. Remember, we've already had 70 times seven or 490 years. What was that? In the temple, when Zacharias visited by Gabriel, when was the last time we saw Gabriel? I am Gabriel. The angel revealed his name. The last time we saw Gabriel in the Bible was at the evening sacrifice 490 years ago to Daniel, the young prophet. 77s, 70 times 7. Remember, in Leviticus 26, verse 18, there was a promise of blessing and retribution. And the Lord God said, if you do not obey me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. 
He had already punished them 70 years in the Babylonian exile. Time was almost up for the 70 years, but the Lord appeared to Daniel and said seven times more than 70. 490 years will it be for waiting for a savior, waiting for salvation, waiting for a Messiah. The very last time the angel Gabriel had appeared in the scriptures was to Daniel, sent by God with the message that it's going to be 490 more years. And when we fast forward, we see the 490 years have passed. 70 weeks are determined for your people, Daniel, and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end to sin, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Ah, time's up. It's time. Luke knows it. 70 times 7. 77. Jesus will be number 77 in the ancestral line in the genealogy according to Luke. If we look back to Genesis 24, you'll remember Lamech. And Lamech said to his wife, if Cain is avenged sevenfold, truly Lamech is 77fold. Adam knew his wife again. She bore a son. She called him Seth. And she said, God has anointed for me another child instead of Abel, for Cain slew him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called him Enosh. At that time, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. In his own gospel of Matthew 18.22, Matthew records Jesus saying, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times seven. Take heed to yourself, says Luke. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. Luke is all about mercy, all about forgiveness. Luke is the only one who has Jesus on the cross. At Luke 23, verse 34, Jesus said to them on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. That perfection of forgiveness, 77, number 77 in the genealogy of Luke. The genealogy of Jesus, Yeshua, found in Luke only. Now, I'm not the first one to notice this, friends. St. Augustine, when he spoke on the harmony of the Gospels in his sermon, he said this, In the number used by Luke, we find included both Christ himself, with whom the enumeration begins, and God, with whom it closed, and the sum becomes thus seventy. 7, which denoted the thorough remission and abolition of all sins. Isn't that interesting? Augustine already had figured that out. This perfect removal of sins, said Augustine, the Lord himself also clearly represented under the mystery of this number when he said that the person sinning ought to be forgiven not only seven times, but even unto 70 times seven times. So we have a different theology. Luke is showing one thing for a reason. Matthew's showing another theory for a reason. Neither are wrong. Both are right. Both have different reasons. Luke says that when Jesus began his ministry, he was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli. Matthew says, and Matthean, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, 
who is called Christ. It was driving me crazy comparing the two because Matthew and Luke. Matthew has Jacob, the father of Joseph, and Luke has Joseph, the son of Heli. How can this be? Well, if we trace the line, we see that Matthew is going to go through Solomon's line. And Luke is going to go through a different son of David by the name of Nathan's line. And in the time of the Roman rule, as the holders of the office of Nase or prince, after Shemahiah claimed David's lineage through Hillel, who was rumored to have maternal lineage from the Davidic link. So you see, friends, Rome is taking over. Roman rule, the Roman Empire is spreading and they're conquering kingdoms. And they want people to claim their lineage. If there's a king in your tribe, we want to know, says Rome. And, it, and it's, it's rumored that the maternal lineage from the Davidic line is what is recorded through Luke and is paternal through Matthew, through Solomon. So interesting, interesting, interesting. Jesus is about 30 years age when he was, I love this too, when Luke says this, Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph. He puts that little in parentheses, the son, as was supposed, because Luke knows that the true father of Jesus is not Joseph. Joseph is not the biological father. It's the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. It is the, the, Mary provides the DNA of a human creature woman, but it is God who provides the, the seed that is needed to create Jesus Christ. He's dual-natured, fully God and fully man. So amazing. One name I recognized in both genealogies was Zerubbabel. And you'll remember Zerubbabel. Uh, he was the one chosen to rebuild the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. And it was after the Babylonian exile that he is called to go back and start rebuilding the temple. And when the people see it, the elders, they cry because it's nothing like Solomon's grand temple. We'll return to Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. The Memorari Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, 
despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Hello, friends. Please take a look at SeekingTruth.net and find out how you can join as an individual online learner. Sharon's lectures are presented in a rich media format with audio, video, and an abundance of beautiful images which draw you into a deeper understanding of God's Word. In addition, part of the Seeking Truth mission is to build parish life through the communal study of God's Word. To encourage parishes to begin a Bible study, Seeking Truth offers its curriculum free of charge for parishes hosting a class. Please visit us at SeekingTruth.net where you can register to bring Seeking Truth to your own local parish. We now return to Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran. So, Luke tells us Jesus is about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli. Now, I think it's interesting, friends, that in 2 Samuel 5, verse 4, David also was 30 years old when he began to reign in his kingship. And how long did David reign? Scripture tells us 40 years. 2 Samuel 5, though, tells us that at Hebron, David reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And at Jerusalem, he reigned over all of Israel and all of Judah for 33 years. 33 years. Isn't that interesting? Because the newborn king of the Jews to the 33-year-old king of the Jews that's on the cross with the crown, from newborn king to cross, crowned head of thorns, crowned king, 33 years. Both sons of David, David and the son of David, will have a 33-year reign as king. Jesus, a spiritual king, of course. When did David die? 970 B.C. And if you figure that Jesus was born in 3 BC and his reign was 33 years till he died on the cross, you know that there is 1,000 years between the reign of King David and the reign of Jesus Christ, perfect millennium, 1,000 years. Now in Luke 2, we were told that all went to be enrolled, each in his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he, Joseph, was in the house and the lineage of David. Well, friends, this is a little interesting, because in the Old Testament, Jerusalem was called the city of David at least 40 times, probably 45. This is the only time in the New Testament where Bethlehem is called the city of David. It's always Jerusalem in the Old Testament, but here in the New Testament, it's Bethlehem that's called the city of David. Why is that? Because for 3,000 years, the city of David has been Jerusalem. Well, both King David and King Jesus will be born in the lowly little podunk town six miles from Jerusalem called Bethlehem. Since it is the birthplace of David, it's called the city of David, here only in the New Testament. We know that in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers, when there was a census taken, it was always through the male. 
Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel, after their families, by the house of their fathers, every male by their poles. They declared their pedigrees after their families by the house of their fathers. Reuben, Israel's eldest son, by the house of their fathers, every male from twenty old and upward. The house of Simeon, by their generation, by the house of their fathers, every male from twenty years old and upward. They're taking a census through the male line. Then why is Mary going with Joseph to be enrolled? Because He, Joseph, is betrothed to Mary, who is with child, and she accompanies him to Bethlehem. Isn't this amazing, the plan of God, that this census ordered would get these two from Nazareth to Bethlehem? Why? So that the prophet could be fulfilled, Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, Yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler of Israel, whose goings forth are from of old from everlasting. That prophecy needed to be fulfilled. Jesus Christ, the Messiah from the house of David, needed to be born in the city of David, little podunk Bethlehem. And God made that happen in a most unlikely way to have the Roman emperor Caesar Augustus call for a census at the time It just amazes me. Mary was a first-century Galilean Jewish woman of Nazareth, the virgin mother of Jesus. According to the New Testament, also according to the Quran, they also believe in the virginity of the Virgin Mary. And Joseph was from the tribe of Judah, which we know from Luke 2 is the house of David. So Joseph is not in question. Jesus himself told us in John 4.22 that salvation is from the Jews. And we know Mary in her Magnificat prayed that he has helped his servant Israel. (laughs) Salvation is from the Jews, but the Bible doesn't tell us Mary's lineage. But the early church fathers do. They knew, like Tertullian, he argues that Jesus must have descended from David by blood through his mother Mary. He's going to use Romans 1 as his apologetic when it says the gospel concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. He ties that to Mary's flesh, where Jesus got his flesh, and that was descending from the house of David. Also affirming that Davidic ancestry of Mary is Ignatius of Antioch very early, as well as Justin Martyr from the Dialogues of Triophon at Judeo. He affirms Mary's Davidic ancestry very early and often. Someone else, Gregory of Naziazin, gives us a little different take. He he says, perhaps Mary was also a Levite from the house of Aaron, like her kin Elizabeth. And thus, the kingly lineage came from Joseph's side, and the priestly lineage, perhaps from Mary's side. That's what he speculates. But we know that angel Gabriel said this, that he was going to be great and called the son of the most high and the Lord God would give him the throne of his father, David. That's pretty strong that he came from the house of David. Zechariah, also filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesying in his beautiful Benedictus, says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, David. Again, we see the Davidic tie. 
So for whatever reason, Mary is willing to travel very far and very pregnant because she also went with Joseph to register in the house of David. She was legally betrothed and she was with child. Now, friends, the most direct route they could have taken from Nazareth to Bethlehem was just 90 miles. Sounds like a little now, but on a donkey, nine months pregnant. Uh, It's shorter if you go through the center of Samaria. But the longer path went around Samaria through the Jordan River Valley, and that's probably more likely the path they would have taken because Samaria was dangerous for Jews. They did not get along. And so for whatever reason, Mary and Joseph went together. They went together. They traveled with her heavily laden with child to the city of Bethlehem. This was the first enrollment when Canarius was governor of Syria. Now, I love how Joseph gives us these little historical details because we can actually date these things. The Roman census run by Quinerius will get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem at just the right moment and time in human history to fulfill the prophecy of Micah 5.2, that out of Bethlehem would come the one who would rule with the iron rod from of old. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be enrolled, and this was the first enrollment when Quinerius was governor of Syria. Amazing. Why was the census being taken? Because they cared so much about these people they were overtaking. The Roman Empire was spreading and spreading and conquering and conquering, and they're calling for a census. Why? For money. For money, the ancient Roman tax collectors called the publicans wanted to know how much money would be coming in so they would know what building projects they could aspire to, how much money is going to be collected, how many citizens are there. We see Luke being very sensitive to the publicans, to the tax collectors. He's the only one that has, in Luke 18, this parable of the Pharisee and the publican. It's so beautiful. Two men are going into the temple to pray. One is a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, like robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector, this publican. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at the distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Oh, these are the words of Mary's Magnificat right there again. Luke is kind of repeating them in a different story. Luke is also the only one that will tell us about another publican named Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector and he was very rich. And Jesus called him down from the tree that day and said, I'm coming to your house for dinner. And and on the spot, there was a metanoia. Zacchaeus had a conversion. And he said, if I have defrauded anyone of anything, Lord, I restore fourfold. And he paid back those he had taken from four times over. And the other great publican in the Bible was St. Matthew. He was called Matthew and Jesus was passing by him. He was sitting at the tax office. He was a publican. And there's a wonderful Caravaggio painting the conversion of St. Matthew. And Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. And he rose and he followed him. So the tax collectors want to know how much they're getting from this census. And it is at that time that the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. And he went to the region about the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. This is the time for the forerunner. 
This is the time, as Luke tells us, through the prophet Isaiah, that the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. John the Baptist in Luke's gospel talks to the tax collectors. They come to be baptized and they say to him, teacher, what shall we do? And John says, collect no more than is appointed you. Soldiers come to John and ask him, what shall we do? And he said to them, rob no one by violence or false accusation. Be content with your wages. John is spreading a gospel of repentance. He's preparing the way. Hearts are being softened. People are turning from sin and preparing the way for the Messiah. But the multitudes come out. Some of them are Pharisees. They come out to be baptized by John. And John says to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruits that befit repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear fruit, good fruit, is going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. And as the people were in expectation, and all men questioned in their hearts concerning John, whether maybe he was the Christ, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but he who is coming is mightier than I, and the thong of his sandal I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Oh, friend, the humility of John. He knows who he is. He must decrease so Jesus may increase. Until next time, I'm Sharon Doran from SeekingTruth.net. So glad you could join us here at Discerning Hearts for the Gospel of Thank you for joining us for the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran. Join us next time as we continue our study of the Gospel of Luke. For more information, be sure to visit SeekingTruth.net.